Uh, welcome to what will be the most uh, tweeted or twittered uh, session. You choose. You choose. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, don't say twitted. Okay. Not twitted. Anyway, welcome. Uh, um, Ev Williams, Biz Stone, co-founders of Twitter. Ev is also the CEO. What does that make you, Biz? Chief Creative Officer. Oh, you really? Is that, or is that yeah. because you're creative? Or? I am creative. I started, okay. I started out as an artist. Oh. How did that, let's start out that way. How did you <laughs> all get from here to there? Because this notion of sort of serial entrepreneurship, which I know Ev is engaged in, tell me your, how you got to Twitter. I will do that, but before I do that, I just want to specifically thank you, Walter, for inviting us and thinking of us, um, and we're, we're super excited to be here. Thank so, you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so how did I get started? Okay, here's what happened. I dropped out of, uh, school, uh, out of college, um, but before that... That's why we didn't have you on the education. I had a... <laughs> it's important, everybody said, to finish college, otherwise we won't be a creative economy. So I got a job schlepping heavy boxes at a publishing company in Boston. And this was just around the time when their art department had recently switched to using Mac computers for all of their uh, design. Uh, the entire art department went out to lunch. I snuck onto the Mac because I'd been using Macs since they came out. And I designed a cover and I matted it up and I slipped it in with the other covers to go off to New York uh, for approval by sales and editorial. When the, when the art director came back, he said, whose cover is this? And I said, mine. And he said, the box guy. And <laughs> I, uh, he offered me a job as a designer there. So I got this. I, so I, that's why I decided to leave school because I figured what I'll do is I'll, I'll just m apprentice with this art director. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the next two or three years, that's what I did. Then I wanted to branch out. Um, we were doing book covers and I wanted to start my own uh, design firm. So I taught myself web design and that led to starting in 1999, uh, a company, like a, a social networking slash blogging company in New York City with some friends uh, because and of my web experience. And you competed against one started by Ev. Yes. He did. He, st he stole my idea, actually. Oh. <laughs> I was inspired by his idea. <laughs> Evolution. We, I, I think we might have improved on it even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they did do it better, actually. So you, you started what? Blogger first? Blogger, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a farm boy from Nebraska. So that's, that's how I started. And then naturally... Did you go to college, by the way? I dropped out. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glad my daughter's not here. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to finish. Yeah. You really yeah. did drop out? I did drop out of the University oh. of Nebraska. Oh. oh. Yeah. Um, and then I started doing... I started my first internet company in Nebraska in 1994, which required first explaining what the internet was to the, pe <laughs> to the people who had money. And also, then you could just say it's an internet company. You didn't have to be very specific. Um, and uh, what that was a company? Well, we, we, it was hard to say. Um, <laughs> it didn't go well. I'd never worked in a company, so starting a company, I, I wasn't very good at. Um, worked on the farm, though. That didn't yeah, that didn't translate that well. Um, but so started doing stuff there, and eventually started a company later once I got to California that, as a side project, created Blogger, um, Blogger.com, one of the early blogging platforms, which was sold to Google a few years later. So, and, yeah. Just to, just to 
link those two things together. So in 1999, Evan and I were basically rival, had rival companies. I left my company after a couple of years. Ev's company, as he just said, was uh, acquired by Google. Um, and I went to work at Wellesley College. Hey, higher education finally <laughs> made uh-huh. a comeback, yeah. And uh, Ev, magnanimous lad that he is, sent me a note that says, how about you come work here for me? So the first time we actually met was in, when he picked me up at the airport to take me to work hmm. at Google. Yeah. Well, first I got him drunk. Oh, oh God. That yeah. was bad news. <laughs> <laughs> up till 4 a.m. drinking. Then I get to Google. Then they say, oh, by the way, we want you to interview with 12 people. And you thought he was offering you a job. I, yeah. I, I had the job, but I had to meet with these people. And, they, and one of the questions to me was, um, do you have any questions for us? And I said, yes, I do. Do you have any aspirin? <laughs> yeah. So they were very impressed, and um, I worked with Evan. And that was still on Blogger, which yep. basically allows people to create their own blogs in a very simple way. Mm-hmm. And, then, yeah. and then, then did you go on to what? So I left Google after a couple of years, a little less than a couple of years, and I abandoned biz there. And uh, oh. <laughs> just I needed a break. I'd worked on from Blogger. From biz or from Google? Um, <laughs> Don't say both. <laughs> um, from Blogger. Oh, from Blogger. <laughs> um, which could stand on its own legs at that point. And um, was meaning to take a break, but then fell into my next company sort of without the break, um, which Twitter eventually came out of through a circuitous route. Like Odeos? Yeah, Odeo, yeah. yeah. By the way, I moved cross-country to work with Evan, not to work at Google. And so when Evan left... I also quit and joined him. Oh, shortly after, yeah. Was that odd to quit Google? It was financially not a good idea. Oh. My my manager said, took me aside and said, so you don't care about money? (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? Yes, I do. And he's like, no, you don't. (laughs) And I was like, and then after I left, I said, you know what? Now I know what he was talking about. (laughs) And I had the calculator out and I st- every day, and my wife said, you have to put that thing away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what is it about Evan that attracts you? <laughs> I, <laughs> we're happily married, <laughs> not to each other. Uh, I, the thing that attracts me to Evan is um, his ability to be patient with me. Uh, <laughs> you know, like... He, if I start a sentence with, imagine we have no gravity, then he'll say, okay, what's next? Like, he won't say, that's ridiculous. He'll let it go where it needs to go. He, lets, he allows for this creative exploration to happen. He, he likes to foster environments where these fluid networks can, can occur in, in ways that new and wonderful ideas can happen. And th- those are the kind of environments that I do well in. Uh, and um, and he tolerates all of my wackiness. And how did that flow from Odeo to Twitter? Um, with Biz? Well, mm-hmm. the environment you created, how did you come up with this notion? Um, well, I have to say something about Biz now, since okay, he's sure, been... Sure. Um, so biz hates a kid. So <laughs> I hired Biz into Google, and Google didn't know what to do with Biz, was, was part of it. He wasn't... I think probably he left not just for me is because Google was not utilizing biz because um, they're a bigger company. You, they don't. It's hard to uh, utilize people who don't fit into these these slots that are defined. And biz kind of ignored everything that um, 
he was asked to do. <laughs> but he, uh, he has a way of coming up with, with brilliant ideas and brilliant ways to frame things that no one else would possibly think of. And so that's why I invited him to join Odeo, and he was integral in, um, in coming up with Twitter, which was um, the co our other co-founder of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, was something he would, had been thinking about for a while. And at Odeo, we were, we were working on this project as a podcasting, audio creation and distribution product that wasn't lighting the world on fire. And we, we created some space to just say, hey, maybe we should come up with something else. And Biz and Jack paired off and, and came up with Twitter. By the way, that, that's an example of, of Ev just saying, you know what? Um, the thing about Odeo was it demoed really well. It was a sexy demo. Everyone was like, holy crap, you can talk to your computer. It records your voice, and it makes it into an MP3 and sends it out to iPods. That's genius. But for, for various reasons, people didn't actually do it that much. Someone stole your purse, Biz. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, that was a uh, business. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Justin, you stole. Biz, <laughs> did you take Justin? I, I think <laughs> differently, like Ev says. But you know that Justice O'Connor actually has federal marshals with him. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It's a diplomatic pouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead. So, to Ev, what I was going to say was, to Ev's credit, it was he said, "Look, we're not emotionally invested in audio." So he created that environment where he said, "Let's everybody pair up and work on something." You have two weeks, and at the end of two weeks, we'll present. So, like he said, Jack Dorsey, our other co-founder, and I had become friends. We paired up on this idea, and we demoed it to the company. Other ideas were also demoed, um, and. We kept working on Twitter uh, for the first at least nine months of Twitter's life. I would say that if any investor were to look at it, they would have considered it not a success. Uh, but um, we kept working on it nevertheless. What was the original concept of Twitter? Microblogging? We never called it microblogging. We, we call it status updates, um, primarily through SMS. That's why there's a 140-character limit. That's why we were excited about it, actually, was because we wanted to do things on mobile. This was too early 2006, mm -hmm. and it wasn't too long before that that SMS really started to grow in the U.S., um, and the networks had all, had all um, joined together. So, um, and we thought, well, it's super powerful to create a web-like application, but that works on mobile and works on every phone without having to install clients and stuff. So we really thought that was the key idea, that it was being able to, to receive and publish information one-to-many over SMS. And that meant you were mainly aiming at the text message market of mobile devices, not at the uh, PC. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. We built the text messaging aspect of Twitter before we built the web um, site. We actually were thinking, well, the web will just be where you go to adjust your settings. Mm -hmm. And then we thought, you know what? The web's a good place to make a service too. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we've held on to on to SMS as a medium because we think it's very powerful while creating richer and richer experiences over the web and over uh iPhones and and iPads and what have you. We also always want to make Twitter gracefully degrade to SMS so it can reach the far, farthest corners and and the billions of people who only have SMS as a medium. So in other words, uh it's for people who don't have computers around the world. How many Twitter registered users do you have now? Uh, total is about 130 million. And how many? 130 million. And how many tweets per day? 
Um, 70 million. 70 million-ish. Mm-hmm. But about 200 million people visit the website every day. And every about, month. Every month. And about uh, 800 million search queries are done every day. On so how would you describe it? A communication service, a, blo- a small blogging service, or a social network? An information network. Information that network. That allows people to you know, get the information they need now. But hasn't it grown into more of a social network so it ties specific people together? There is a, a very social element to it, for sure. Um, mm. But it doesn't have that reciprocal element of a social network. Are you my friend? Yes, no. It's just, look, there's all these different sources of information. Which of them are appealing to you? And then you choose them. So you launch it and it evolves. What surprised you about the way it evolved? Well, one thing, we did think about it as l- being a little bit more social at first, even though technically it wasn't, the, the connections were one way and most of the content was public. And, um, but we saw it as, in, even the way we described it on the homepage was a way to keep up with friends, family, coworkers by answering the question, what are you doing? And um, now we say, what's happening instead of what mm. are you doing? But um, we thought that's what was interesting about it. And then... Um, it was actually South by Southwest 2007, which is a festival um, yeah. in Austin. Mu- actually, before music, that, basically. It's, it's music and there's a web It's music, component. film, and before that, there's a, like a nerd yeah. fest. Oh. And bef- before that, we had gotten criticism <laughs> online you know, within the, the tech community when the Twitter base wasn't, user base wasn't very large. And a lot of people, what they said was, Twitter's, Twitter's not useful. Who cares about Twitter? What, what's the point of Twitter? And, and I've had this great response to that. He immediately said, well, neither is ice cream. What do, yeah. we, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Ban ice cream? <laughs> yeah. Ban yeah. joy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was making the point, useful isn't the only, only metric to, to measure things on. And we thought Twitter was interesting and fun. Uh, and that sort of framed how we thought about it until South by Southwest, where... Uh, Though we didn't have very many users, most of them happened to converge in Austin, Texas in that March 2007. And there's a critical mass of people on Twitter such that even though they didn't know each other, Twitter became the communication medium for that event. And it made, it helped people know what was happening in different mm-hmm. parts. So it's a kind of a distributed conference. There's different panels going on. You can see like, oh, that panel is good or that, um, this one sucks. Or, oh, here's, here's my web design hero and he's here and I can find out what he's talking about. And so it added this new information layer in real time over a, uh, a, a physical event that made it much richer and actually was very useful. Mm-hmm. This was like this we often point to when we when we do new hire orientation as like a watershed moment for us as a big aha moment where we realized um, that this was a new form of communication. I, I always go back to this metaphor which I use over and over again of a flock of birds moving around an object in flight. It looks perfectly choreographed. It looks complicated. Uh, it's beautiful, but the mechanics of it are very simple. Mm-hmm. Rudimentary communication among individuals in real time allows them to behave almost as if they're a single organism. And when we saw Twitter operating in the wild for the first time at this festival, we, we witnessed humans, people, moving together as one and you know, something happened in our minds where we, we lifted this idea out of a fun, geeky festival 
And what if this were in other events around the world, maybe more important like events? Like the Iranian Revolution. Well, we didn't think of that at the time, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what we should do? <laughs> yeah. Revolution in Iran. Let's disrupt the Iranian Revolution in a few years. Um, the, actually, the there is a funny story there. That whenever there's a geopolitical event, Twitter is there. And early on when this was happening, there was, a, there was actually a, a, a Twitter, an organized over Twitter revolt in Moldova. Moldova. Uh, Moldova. And I got to work. And I had all these voicemails and emails and everything. Mr. Stone, what is your role in the Moldovian revolt? Yeah. <laughs> and I was tempted to write them back and say, like, I didn't like what I saw there. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> happy with that regime. Yeah. Wouldn't put my guy in there. No. So. <laughs> and Ev would have. Ev could have been. Ev could have been the. Uh, what, what is it? I had a prime prime minister. King. Guess, yeah. yeah. King. Uh, well, we would have changed it to whatever we want, but. The the point is, uh, you know, we we recognize this this um, this pace of communication, this this group like, uh, you know, almost emergent behavior, and uh, it really just lit us on fire to go back back from yeah. South by Southwest and just crank. And we saw at this time our servers started melting, uh, which was our daily reality. But at the same time, events started happening in the world. There were um, wildfires in California or in Southern California later that year and people started using Twitter to to share and find out what was happening in their neighborhood the LA Times put a Twitter feed on their front page the 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 LA Fire Department started using Twitter to send out information this was really early and this was kind of mind-blowing for us and that was just it seemed like every month or two an event like that would happen that and each one would, would sort of expand our minds and and help us realize holy holy cow what is what is this thing it's we got to make and it better and so when Iran happened Jared Cohn and Alec Ross and others at state actually call you to say don't do your weekend server maintenance now right. or something yeah. right? right by the way them and everybody else <laughs> uh, like what we did was we put a note in the UI that said tomorrow at this time there will be a maintenance window twitter will be down it was at the exact moment that the, the general strike was going to happen. We were flooded with tweets, with emails, with phone calls, among them the State Department. You can't shut this deal down. And the backstory there is we had put off this maintenance so many times <laughs> already. And it was actually our, our network, our hosting provider yeah. who needed to do it, not yeah. us. And they're like, seriously, we got to. It was like, this. if you don't do this, the site could be down for a week. So what did you do? We 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 got them to we put it off. Kept, we put it off. Yeah. Like uh, we waited till not when. So we had scheduled it during our you know mid, like midnight California time, which was middle of the day when yeah. when they most needed it. And this also affected their other customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got, but they were gracious yeah. to to change it to. How, how did the um, notion of hashtags come along, and did that help change the service? They did. At hashtags, there are a few things, um, interestingly, that the, the Twitter community invented and then we embraced in, in the product itself. And hashtags is one of them. One of the first was what we call at replies, which is the convention um, of an at symbol and then a username as a way to reply to another user what someone else has said. We had no function for that in the product at all when we launched it, and people just started doing it. And they we actually had a... Uh, a private, direct, one-to-one 
yeah, mechanism. Yeah. But people, and we didn't know that they would want this, they preferred to, uh, to reply to each other with everyone else, kind of like we're doing now, with everyone else witnessing. Mm-hmm. And so we noticed this happening, and we turned it into a feature. So users had just started typing this in, because it's you know free text box, and you could type it in. So we thought, well, that's useful, so let's, when, when an at symbol and a username show up, let's link that to the profile, and let's, let's do some other stuff to make that work a little better. And hashtags were very similar, where users... So those were user-invented hashtags? Those were user-invented hashtags were as well, and it was just a way to say, um, this tweet is about this topic. So they'll put a, a pound sign... And topics, so AIF.org AIF, for Aspen yeah. Institute Festival. Whatever, right. Yeah. And so it was just a way to, to help group tweets yeah. about, a, about a topic. And uh, one of the early really interesting examples um, about how that was used was actually, there, so search itself, search of, of tweets, was not something we really invented either. And we thought, well, maybe that would be useful. But we, one of the things we did is we've had this thriving developer ecosystem and we created APIs to to the service from very early on and they're very open which helps very open. allow a user community to develop right products. it lets and software developers plug twitter into other services one of the you know people write desktop clients mobile clients mm-hmm. all kinds of ways different ways to use twitter and one of the things we offered was what we call the firehose which is all the public tweets in real time we would we would send someone um, and now we currently um, have deals with Google and Microsoft and Yahoo to, to, to send them all these tweets. And, but one of the early companies that, that took this, and they created a real-time search engine out of it, and it's called Surmise. And since that existed, um, that's what really made hashtags work, because you needed to search people you weren't following. And there's a gas shortage in Atlanta in like November 2008. Oh, wait, yeah. And... Uh, users made up a, a hashtag. They said, uh, pound ATL gas is what you should use. If you find gas, tweet about it, say what it costs, where it is. And make sure you And make sure you use ATL gas. That, yeah. And then people can come and they can search for ATL gas. And, they can, and that, was one of, that was fascinating on many levels. Um, that specific event illustrates kind of the, the core belief that Evan and I and everyone at Twitter has, which is that the open exchange of information can and will have a positive impact, not just on that local level, but globally, and that people are basically good, and if you give them a tool um, to do good, they will. How do you think this changes journalism? I think it changes it in a few ways. Uh, I mean, there's... Were you going to say something? Go ahead. Uh, I'll correct you when you're done. Okay. (laughs) Uh, There's, uh, there's, citizen, uh, there's citizen journalism going on on Twitter. Um, not because we're asking people to be citizen journalists, but because things are happening and accidents are happening and people are tweeting about them when they see them. Uh, that's happening. Um, the media is using Twitter to source information. Um, you know, like recently... Uh, recently when there was this, uh, there, there were these riots and this upsets in Bangkok, the, the government-controlled newspapers weren't carrying any information. Uh, the information was getting out via Twitter. So uh, media outlets were able to like, look through Twitter to, to, find out, to try to find out what was happening. Um, and then a, a third way uh, is that Twitter is providing a distribution mechanism for 
news outlets. Um, you know, a quarter of all of the tweets generated every day contain a link m very often to a longer uh, piece that's more, uh, you know, has more context. So someone, someone may tweet earthquake, you know, uh, and then if there's a link, it goes to a, a piece, okay, well, what is the economic impact of the earthquake? What was the magnitude? What, is, what, what else is happening? You know, all this other stuff. So I think distribution is another, is sort of the third big thing. Did I leave anything yeah. out there? Yeah, and it's not really searchable well on, say, the Go uh, Google or Yahoo. or Is that good or bad? Should there be a separate search engine if I just want to search what people are well, you uh, can search. Twittering. You can search on Twitter, uh, but it's. I think the search has a long way to go. What's really tricky, uh, there's. It's a search problem that hasn't been solved before, which is how Google and Yahoo and the the history of web search is about finding the most relevant thing, pretty much disconnected from time, and so with with and so that's a process of of you know finding signals of relevance about a document and. And what Google came up with is pointers to that document as a, as a signal of relevance that builds up over time. With Twitter, you're dealing with real-time information. It's coming in very, very quickly. And so you have no history about a document or a tweet to so base. So it would not be high in the Google algorithm even if they were searching right. it. So they, they, are, they are surfacing tweets now. Um, you know, they're, they've moved to, to figure using freshness as one of the many signals. And so they'll have real-time results for certain queries. If they detect something's happening in the world and, and, and freshness is a key component, they're search, they're, they'll surface tweets. Um, but, but they're just at the beginning stages of that, and we're at the beginning stages of that. And one of the reasons that we did the deal with, with Google and with, with Microsoft Bing and with Yahoo to help figure out searches because it's an unsolved problem. And even though we're working on it, we think heck, have Google engineers figure out how to surface the best information to people too would be good deal because it's not figured out. What would be your ideal outcome of a new type of search that would include Twitter? Would it mesh it all with news and blogs and would all be in one undifferentiated mass? I think our ideal out outcome would just be figuring out what, how it can be most useful. I, mean, I don't have okay. any, any design for but it. But does. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, I was just, just, just going to say, I mean, uh, there's a big difference between um, between searching the web, which is about I. It's about me. I want something. I'm, a I'm asking mm -hmm. the search engine to give me something. And when you are on Twitter, you are open uh, to to information that's coming to you. And it, it's it's less ego driven, and you're more sort of open and receptive to to taking some kind of action. So I would say, just I just throw out there that maybe you know the the search or discovery of the future comes to you when you need it, where you need it, to help you live your life better or run your and business. It has smarter. more serendipity than search now has. I I would yeah. think so if you were taking into consideration location, previous tweets, uh, you know any any number of signals. Um, well, now if if I'm um, tweeting something. Do you know my exact location, and can you use that, or is that a privacy issue? If you give it to us. If you give it to us. Yeah. We, we just started. It's an option. It's opt-in purely, and you can tag now a tweet with your exact location, or if you want to fuzz it out a little bit, just a neighborhood or a city, 
or now actually a venue. So this is from this restaurant, and the, the coffee cake is delicious. Yeah, we recognize those geo-coordinates match up to this particular uh, yeah. Italian restaurant. We yeah. name the Italian restaurant in your, as your location. Is that going to help you figure out a way to monetize this? Um, I think it's, it's one aspect that's pretty monetizable. What, why I'm excited about the location stuff is if we get more of that metadata attached to the tweets, um, then anywhere you are, you could bring up Twitter and just say, what's happening around me? What are people talking about? Uh, and it could be highly relevant in, um, no matter where you are. So that you could imagine is very targetable if, if you want to do advertising as well. But I think the things that are most monetizable are also the things that are most valuable to users. And so it's about relevance of information. Can SMS be blocked easily by China, Iran, whatever? Um, by China, certainly, because they uh, China Mobile is run by the government. So the and, phone yeah. company controls the initial part of the pipeline for an SMS. The thing signal. is, yeah. I think they'd have to shut down the phone service to shut down SMS. Okay. Which would be a rather dramatic thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But we don't currently... Um, so the thing about SMS that for internet guys is, is somewhat frustrating, we've spent a few years working on is you can't just send SMS to every phone in the world because you have a server um, unlike the internet. You have to make deals with every single carrier in the world. And we've made 200 of those so far. And so we have pretty good coverage throughout the world, but China Mobile is not among them. Then how is it working in Iran? Um, Iran, we do have a deal with... Um, with with one of the carriers that is covers Iran, mostly through in Iran, it's been over the internet. Mm -hmm. So we we want to get more thorough mobile coverage throughout the world, but we don't have 100 percent yet. That's another area where our open approach to making our APIs and our, our technology available to to smart programmers around the world has been really interesting because even when we're blocked in a country we still see traffic mm -hmm. coming from that country. And it's because smart folks in that country are figuring out ways to get around those blocks. Uh, speaking of APIs being open and people building on it, I think it's, yeah, John Doerr was talking to me about it a week or two ago, about the notion of social networks being the next platform upon which we build apps. Mm -hmm. Do you see Twitter as being a platform upon which other people can build apps, and what type of apps might come out? Well, many, many apps have been built on Twitter um, and from all kinds of stuff, from, from mobile clients and, and different uses of Twitter. Um, in fact, at our last panel this afternoon, someone asked if Twitter could be used to help um, car manufacturers become aware of of faulty um, cars when they should be recalled because apparently consumers often know this information before manufacturers, and so closing that information gap could be a service. So somebody that we could, could help build do. a service that just said send us exactly. feedback. Exactly, someone could build a service right now that takes all the data. Maybe maybe you can define your, or define the signal from what's already happening. And we know. Um, our last panel is about movies. That people have built specific apps to say, what are people saying about the movies that are out right now? And just suck in all the data and, and figure out what the sentiment is. Uh, there's actually tens of thousands of apps that have been built mm -hmm. for different purposes. Uh, movies. I know you just did it, but what movie have you made and what movie have you killed recently? <laughs> well, the, 
<laughs> the the funny thing is, Toy Story three was a, our very first customer for promoted trends. Yeah. Trends are words or phrases that are suddenly becoming uh, popular across the network for whatever reason, and um, we display the top ten trends uh, worldwide and then geographically if you choose a city. Uh, a, uh, a company can now purchase uh, if if they have a trend that's in the top one hundred or two hundred, but not in the top ten. They can purchase slot number 11. Toy Story uh, bought uh, that slot num- number 11. Why would they need that since uh, it would be slot which one I like to, Which I like to joke, and, and then I say, and I say, and not a bad opening. Yeah, that's right. By yes. the way. Yeah. Uh, so, Who can uh, say? <laughs> Who can say? But what no, the what we talked about it with the movies was that, you know, Twitter is speeding up what has existed for a long time, which is word of mouth. And it used to be that a movie could come out on a Friday evening and they could, they could kind of sail through the weekend because people wouldn't realize that it was a crappy movie until, you know, the weekend was done. Now it's Friday, rolling credits of the first, of the first screening and people saying, this thing sucks. Bruno, <laughs> Bruno was, was cited as a, like a, a movie that was sort of put to bed by Twitter early. Um, the one Congratulations. That Thank gl- you for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards was was cited uh, as a as a film that got immediate, robust, positive word of mouth on Twitter. Um, yeah, Harvey Weinstein said something like, uh, "We couldn't have done it without Twitter." And I was like, "How about an awesome movie with a great director?" Yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> didn't he say we couldn't have done it without Biz Stone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? He did actually say that, but that was a weird thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just edited him a little bit. Yeah. How, how do you all? Uh, what is your revenues and what are your future revenue streams? We're not telling you that. Why not? <laughs> Biz, will you tell me? <laughs> um, well, we're a private company, but yeah. so but um, we are just we're getting started. Here. Started. Nobody, <laughs> don't, oh, it's don't, all private. Oh, okay. It's all private. We're just getting started on the monetization. Uh, the promoted trends and promoted tweets are two products that we now have. And our approach to that is to... Um, build something that's organic to the system. So promoted tweets are, you can, it's a tweet. It's, the only ad format is a tweet. And, um, and, and you, can, you can buy the top sl- slot in the search results for a keyword. And if people, um, if people interact with it, it'll stay. If, people, if it doesn't resonate, that's our term for, for how we measure the interaction mm-hmm. with it, then it will fall off. Um, and we just started doing that. It's going very well. We have some more things in the works, but um, in general, we focus the vast majority of the company's attention on on the technology and the product so far. And thankfully, we have patient and long-term investors like Jerry Murdoch, who um, who are uh, really supporting that vision. And so you have had offers, I assume, people want to buy. I mean, corporations want to buy you, right? Really? Oh, I thought. <laughs> did, did they go through you? Did you? <laughs> Did you Have forward you? us that? You should forward that email. <laughs> yeah. Have you? The, you know, there are uh, people, yes. people call. Yeah. But go we, on. We would like to run our own company. Thank you very much. Right. That was going to be the follow-up <laughs> question. We, we've shown that Twitter is an important, relevant, useful, uh, new form of communication and information network. What we haven't done is proven that we can be a force for good in the world and we can make a lot of money doing it. We need to do the second part of uh, the, the mission. And we are excited about doing that. And so, 
And so to stop now would be... And, f- and furthermore, we believe that we'll be more competitive as an independent company. I think that's usually the case, except in certain circumstances. And so the, the size of the opportunity, we believe, is immense. And um, we really are just getting started on the execution of that. So not just building the business, but really reaching the, the 4 billion people who, who we could potentially reach someday. And, and even the product itself, we've just started on because most of the time we've, we've spent our engineering resources just keeping up with demand. And so there's so many cool things we just want to build. And we're starting to make money, and we have money in the bank, and we're building an amazing team and an amazing culture. And we certainly don't want to stop doing that. Questions? 160 characters or less, please. Yes. Um, there's a lot of people in the retail world, the commercial world, who are fascinated by what you're doing. There's a lot of people in the retail world and the commercial world fascinated by what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about some of the interesting applications or uses that you've seen uh, retailers yeah. or corporate America use? Yeah, there's a bunch of... One of the... Uh, the fun things about Twitter that is also different than a social network is that commerce has been happening on Twitter since almost day one. Because businesses have recognized that it's a powerful communication medium and it's, it's one-to-many platform. And users just opt in because it's not about my friends, it's about what information I'm interested in. So it's natural to opt in to, to a feed from a company. And some of the early pioneers of that was um, Dell Computer, for instance, started using it pretty early to, particularly for the Dell outlet, which has a, a scarce supply of, of refurbished or very deep discounted merchandise. They would send out links via Twitter to buy this and send out what the deals were. And hundreds of thousands of people opted in to receive those messages because there's value to getting that information faster and in real time. And they've sold millions of dollars worth of inventory just through basic Twitter usage. And um, there's now thousands of companies who use it in similar ways. And some of the most interesting are those cases where, where in particular, the, the real-time nature has value. And a lot of the, the uses we're most excited about are local businesses and not online businesses like Dell, where, where getting a message on your mobile phone about even beyond retail, so say a restaurant will send their, their special of the day as a text message or as a tweet at, at 11 a.m., if you decide where to go to lunch every day, that's useful information that helps you make a, make a, a buying decision. Um, and so that's a simple but, but cool little use. Or in other cases where it's, say, a, a spa and they have um, perishable inventory of, of slots on a massage table and they'll tweet out, um, hey, we have a slot at 3 o'clock and you know, 30% off if you call right now and get this. So that, this usage is pretty, pretty popular already, and we're, we're trying to figure out how to help the businesses do that better and more efficiently and how, how to help users find those offers that they're interested in. Yeah, one of the things that's really, things that we've seen that have just been fun to see are like small restaurants or food carts that with a chalkboard and a mobile phone have a marketing uh, division. Yeah. You know, uh, because if they can get their, if they get even 30 or 40 local customers to follow them. The food them. cart thing in San Francisco is a big deal now. Yeah. The, these gourmet food carts that move all around mm-hmm. um, it is, is this popular trend right now. And they, they credit tw- Twitter with being able to be in business because no one knows where they are until they tweet. And they have these loyal followings. So like, oh, 
they're in my neighborhood. I'm going to I'm going to go get a taco. The other thing. So so there's that. And that's happening in the U.S. And then you can imagine, you know, as we grow the network, as I've mentioned, 200 um, deals with mobile operators in all of those deals, um, Twitter over SMS is at no extra charge to the user. And um, I think there's like 600 mobile operators, so we have a ways to go. But um, you can imagine, uh, you know, uh, farmers or, or vendors in rural areas being able to use their, their mobile phone in a similar capacity. Because text messages used very much so in Africa now to allow markets to form. Yeah, markets are forming. It's transforming health industry. Um, it's It's... Yeah, farming is being helped by... I mean, just, just getting that information when you need it at the right time is everything. Now, transactional commerce happening in this way, do you worry about the uh, carriers saying, hey, we want a cut of this? Um, we, can, we can work some now. Okay. The, 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 I would add... Okay. Oh, I did, then Joe. Yeah. There is a lot of talk uh, at this conference about how America's future depends on people like you that are entrepreneurial and innovative and you still want to build a lot of stuff and stay independent. Can you share with us uh, your vision or strategy of how many people do you think you will employ in the next five years? Uh, will they be in America or in India or in China or elsewhere? Because you do have an open uh, approach and you have programmers from all around the world. And what type of knowledge and skills and education do people need to have to really help you grow uh, or grow a company like yours? Well, well they, they need they, at least as much education as Biz and I have. Yeah. <laughs> Set the barrier high. <laughs> um. So that, about how many people were, the company is about 250 people today. Surprisingly small. It's at the end of last year, it was 50. Amazing. At the end of last year, it was 110. <laughs> or 50. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, last year, employees, we grew by 500%. This year, we've, we've more than doubled so far. Um, we'll be about 350 by the end of the year. Next year, we'll probably double again. I don't know where that puts us in five years. But wait, wait, I'm sorry. What do these people do? Are they technologists? Or, no, I bet you, you don't have content people. You don't have no. editorial people. You have technologists and server makers. Right. Yeah. We have about 50% of the company is engineers and, and technical people. Um, and then, you know, there's administrative, there's support. We have, we have a large-ish group that uh, we call trust and safety, which is all about protecting users and protecting the system from abuse, from spam. Any system like this gets a lot of attacks um, so, so we have people doing that, and and we're starting to hire salespeople. Uh, and but an economy can build on top of your platform. Not, and I don't just mean gourmet food carts, but yeah. but people coming up with creative apps that can be built on your mm -hmm. API. That's one of the things that Ev and I discussed. We we were on a plane going somewhere at one point. And we were trying to hash out how many employees we would need at three years out or four years out mm -hmm. or whatever. And we did realize that you know. Maybe we get to 500 employees, but how many Twitter apps are there? 150,000? Well, there's, there's, yeah. There's, so there's, there's there are many thousands of people working on Twitter, yes. making it better, making it more useful for users. Uh, people at Google are working on Twitter. People at Microsoft are working on Twitter. People at Yahoo are working on Twitter. People all around the world are making Twitter, creating more surface area, making it more useful, making it more interesting. Um, mm. I'll just add to that question. It's a little bit of a tangent, but it, it speaks to the... You, you, you led off with, okay, people are looking to you f to 
describe how business will operate in the future. And we're of a mind that uh, we, can, we can build a business that will have a positive impact in the world. We, we're of a mind that we can build um, doing good and pro-social campaigns into the, the very platform, the monetization platform, the business platform, the DNA of the company, the culture of the company, uh, so that it scales with the company. So we don't wait until we have a billion dollars to form a dot .org and then go help somebody. We're already involved. Uh, Promoted Tweets has a sister counterpart called Promoted Tweets for Good, which encourages companies to spend money on pro-social uh, campaigns. And we've also done a bunch of partnerships with Room to Read and Malaria No More and things like this. But do you stop things that are antisocial? No. In other words, uh, a prostitution ring wants to use Twitter. Would, would you stop it? We stop things that are illegal if we're notified them about them by law enforcement. Yeah. But we, we take a very uh, hands-off, very laissez-faire approach to, to... We believe very strongly in freedom of expression and, and free speech. And we we get a lot of flack for that because I mean, that in order to do that you have to stick up for stuff that's not popular and um, that's always been our stance. Joe Nye. I think this is terrific. I wonder if I could get you to say a little bit more about the geopolitical impact of Twitter. With the Iranian elections, you obviously had a very big impact, but on the anniversary of the Iranian elections, you had no impact. Is the answer to this that when you catch a government by surprise, Twitter has a big impact, but that they can pre if they can prepare, that essentially you're limited? Is there anything you could do about it? More specifically, what did the Iranians do on the anniversary of the election, which deprived you of having the impact you'd had on the election itself? And is when you talk about doing good, is there anything you can do to adapt your procedures to essentially make it more difficult to, for governments to do what the Iranians did on the anniversary. Yeah, yeah. I'm that's not familiar with what happened I, at the anniversary. I was just going to say that that's a tricky area because, as I've just said, we we need to stay hands off about stuff. So, just by way of example, when we decided to 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 change our minds about that server upgrade at that specific time, we were then flooded by every major news outlet and every nightly news organization for Evan and I to come talk about Iran. We're not, by any stretch of the imagination, experts in Iran, nor should we be talking about it. Uh, so we just used the word in, inappropriate uh, for us to talk about that. So to design... So it's to get involved editorially in, in this, I think is a little dangerous. Um, the best thing we can do is make the system as open, as available, as, as useful, and as ubiquitous as we possibly can so that people can do their thing. Yeah. Washington policy, have, you been have they tried to rope you in yet? I uh, bought a suit and went to Washington a couple months ago. <laughs> cool. Uh, Alex, our, our general counsel, said uh, he used to work at Google, and he said, look, you got, first of all, Washington thinks we're like a 10,000-people organization with a Washington office, and we're just ignoring them. <laughs> uh, and that we're not just a bunch of people in a loft space in San Francisco. <laughs> so do, do this. Go buy a suit, 
um, and go, come with me to Washington. So what we did was we, he dragged me all around Washington and we met with a bunch of congressmen and congresswomen and, uh, and just to say, hello, we're a small company. We don't want anything from you, but we'd like to help in any way that we can. And, um, and so that was just our, our initial kind of, hey, we're here and we are going to hire somebody uh, to, to work in Washington, mostly in the capacity of, the sa- of that same philosophy of what can we do to help? But what, you know, do you need help signing in? Like, what, you know, what is it? <laughs> you, know, you know, any and all tasks will be, will be covered and then we'll grow that department as, as need be. Um, it's obviously important, and we sh- we shouldn't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you had your hand up there first. I'm sorry, and then I'll yeah. Right. Trying to do what I saw first. Uh, Whoops. Oh, wait, the best. green shirt, I think, Matt. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Eric Kuhn, I do social media for CNN. Um, oh, hey, when I when I tell my parents or anyone else that this is what I do and that I write tweets for a living, <laughs> uh, I usually get two reactions. One is, uh, what are you going to do in three years when Twitter becomes a MySpace or kind of doesn't exist anymore? Uh, and the second reaction is, isn't it like the same three people in the East Village that talk with the same three people in the East Village and just kind of communicate with each other? And the New York Times recently put out an article um, sort of to that effect, uh, which my grandmother was nice to clip out for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and retweet for you. Yeah, yeah and, so, and I'm wondering, and I, and I believe in you guys 100%, and so I'm just wondering sort of how would you respond to those Two comments. Well, let, let's start, start first with, uh, I guess, the MySpace, you know, can something fall off a cliff, or I shouldn't say that about MySpace, so just, uh, could, could you be the CB radio of your generation, you know, by going Breaker 1-9 for radio check and thinking they're really cool 20 years ago, and now nobody knows what CB radio is. Sure. I mean, if, I mean, technology will advance, and new things will be invented, and we're, and so we have to innovate and we have to make it better and better. Um, and if we don't do that, then yeah, we'll, we will be eclipsed. I don't think the, the core ideas will be eclipsed. Um, and I heard this about blogging 10 years ago. It was like, it's a fad, no one cares. And what I always just kept going back to is this is about some of the most basic human desires there are. It's about sharing information. It's about hearing from other people. And that's not going to go away. That's one of the great promises, if not the great promise of the internet. And, you know, um, it's had this huge effect. And it wasn't about my company. It was about the core idea. So these core ideas are not going to go away. If we can continue to innovate and execute, um, I think we'll be good. I, yeah, I think the, the, the key there is that the, the, will destroy, the people who can destroy us are us. Uh, and we just, as F says, we need to keep executing, keep working. But we we have a healthy realization that there are many smarter people outside of Twitter than there are inside of Twitter, and um, we remind everyone at Twitter of that all the time. Uh, if there's a problem to be solved, it's likely been solved somewhere else, or there's somebody else out there who can help us solve it. Uh, we're not just, we don't think of ourselves as a bunch of geniuses in four walls and we're going to solve everything. We've said, you know, Somebody asked me a while back, you know, what do you hope people will say about Twitter in five or ten years? And my answer was that I hope that they won't consider Twitter to be um, a triumph of technology, but to be a triumph of humanity because of what people will do with it. So we really just need to, as I said before, 
keep this thing running, keep executing, keep innovating, stay ahead. Um, otherwise, we're going to be the ones that bring us down. And I'm Thanks. secretly working to bring us down. Um, first of all, I just want to say, <laughs> <laughs> oh, first of all, I just want to thank you guys because Twitter's pretty uh, a pretty great platform. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I was curious, and we've Can talked a lot about. Identify yourself if you want. Yeah. I'm sorry. Identify yourself if you want. Oh, yeah. sure. Adam Borelli. Yeah. I was in the Socrates Society over the weekend, um, and my question is, you know, we we often talk about how the media is really, at least the traditional publications are not really making it these days. And so I was wondering what role, if at all, you've seen or you do see with Twitter. Because personally, I've seen a lot of information that I've gathered from New York Times or other outlets. And I was curious what your guys' thoughts are on that and uh, where it's going. On the relationship between media well, and what, what role you play in perhaps saving the newspaper industry or, um, or changing yeah. the business no. model, whatever it may be. Yeah. I think um, there's an wonderful opportunity for us to work together and to complement each other. Uh, I've thought that from the beginning. We, we actually did an early experiment with Reuters before they, they merged with Thompson where we gave them kind of a hacked together version of, of what Ev said before our fire hose and Reuters Labs built some news detector system which I could only imagine had a lot of antennae antennas yeah. and you know, needles <laughs> and uh, uh, they, would, they were calling me on a regular basis saying, holy crap, we're finding out stuff really early. Um, I, you know, what I'd like to do is um, figure out a way to work together because as I said before, there's news breaks incredibly quickly on, on Twitter and you get news fast. We need storytelling. We need context setting. We need to that rich experience, um, that mm. traditional analysis. analysis and everything that they're, that they're giving us. What we also would like to do is, is partner with them to help them make more money. We, we, our monetization platform, Promoted Tweets and Promoted Trends, is going to be opened up wide eventually, and we're going to split the profit, profits 50-50. So maybe that's a way that we can work together with them um, to you know, sort of help raise all ships. Mm-hmm. Yes, right there, with your computer on your lap, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, unless uh, your laptop will help us do that. Um, I was wondering, how far has the financial crisis impacted your company and maybe also your views about America? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, it seems, it seems kind of broken, the, the, the Wall Street situation. Uh, but I'm no expert on that. It hasn't. We've we've had really fortunate timing with Twitter. I think um, we we were able to raise money despite the financial crisis, and and um, if we are starting to make money today, then then we won't be in this in this bubble when we're making money and have to deal with the collapse as much. Is my my optimistic spin on it? But um, I don't know, Biz. You have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean the same thing. Basically, we we. We raised a whole bunch of money when we didn't need money um, before this stuff went down. Ev may, may not be an expert, but he certainly had an opinion. <laughs> and he uh, didn't like what he saw coming. And he said, maybe we should raise a bunch of money. And I said, but we got a bunch of money. And he said, can it hurt to have a lot more money? <laughs> and I said... That makes you an expert. I said... Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind having a lot more money. <laughs> so we got a bunch of money. So that insulated us from what happened. Um, 
but uh, it didn't insulate family members and <laughs> all of our friends and things like that. So we, we were fortunate. Let me uh, finish up by a broader f- forward-looking question. Do you think you'll develop, under the rubric of Twitter, new things? Might you start spin-off companies, or do you want to inf- focus intensely on what can be built on this SMS messaging platform? I think we'll probably build some other stuff in about 10 years. Oh. Uh, I think we, we have a lot to do with Twitter first. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And where's the suit? How's the suit? It's kind of wrinkly. I left it at home. Okay. Okay. Thank you all very much. Appreciate Thank you. It.